Hi, this is Mike McNamara, and you're listening to All Marine Radio on your home for it, the one and only All Warrior Radio Network. Nicer. COVID numbers are down. Crazy down, right? Pretty interesting, all the gyrations that you hear about them. Um, and we can only see them through a political lens. But if you like say, look, I don't really give a shit about any of that. What are the numbers? Down 70% since like December. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, I used to, you know, when I walked my dogs, Jack and Joe, um, the fairgrounds here in Orange County are maybe a half mile from my house. So I walk by there, walk around them. And, um, man, there used to be, I don't know, four different lines, cars wrapped around the fairgrounds. There's nobody there now. Nobody. So it's been interesting watching. Um, it's been interesting watching, like, these numbers kind of percolate. Right. And, and the public health maniacs, I mean, they would have us stay in our homes for the next 10 years. Right. That's what would, would make them happy. But if you own a business and you've worked your ass off, I mean, look, I don't know how people have got through the last year. And I cannot imagine. I asked Kim this last week, but I cannot imagine being in the restaurant or bar business. You worked your entire life to, you know, to create something 
And then some jackass who's never going to miss a, a, a check, right, in their government-funded job is telling you you can't be open even though only 1.5% of the cases are attributable, you know, to, uh, to restaurants, right? I mean, come on, really? I mean, I, I can't, it's, it's amazing that no restaurant or bar owner has clicked off safe and gone someplace with a gun and just started killing people. That entire industry. So anyway, um, I think it's exciting and, uh, you, you know, and then you hear, then you have the, uh, you know, the, the chicken little crowd. Oh, there's another strain. We're doomed. We're never going to be able to come out. Oh, it's good. like, Hey man, we can't live like this forever. Okay. Destroying entire cities. And let me tell you what, let me tell you what, it's really going to get fucking serious. When government tax revenue starts drying up because planes don't land and people don't eat in restaurant and all the money that funds all this bullshit dries up. So anyway, um, I think it's pretty exciting. I, you know, it's that you know the nation begins to come out of this, and I got it. Still, take your mask with you. Still, socially distance, but people maybe going to be able to go to sporting events. Right, maybe not as dense as we used to be, but at least be able to go. And then, as as the weather gets warmer and the cases continue to go down, and the vaccination programs continue to to uh, vaccinate millions every week, at some point, right, it is what it is. Right, life's got to resume. So I think that's exciting. Here on this last Friday of February, Greg Lotus, Kim Holmes, going to join me in about fourteen minutes. There was an airstrike, big news overnight. There was an airstrike in Syria, the United States striking Iranian-backed militia groups. So these are just Iranian soldiers that go to Syria, that go to Iraq. They operate there. And that way Iran can say, yeah, you know, we don't really know who the, who the hell that is, which is total bullshit. It's the game that we play, and we allow them to play. So we shot some missiles at them. Did they hit anything? I don't know. Haven't seen anything, right? Did it hurt? Not really sure. Is it miss more missiles into the dirt? I don't know. Maybe. And let me just tell you, I've said this. You know, you've heard me say this before. But right, we shot missiles and killed somebody. Is the modern day version of the Vietnam body count? It's irrelevant. Is it having any impact? When the Bush administration did it, when the Obama administration did it, when the Trump administration do it, did it, and now the Biden administration. What does it change? Answer, not a fucking thing. So what, do we feel good about what we did? You want to make it hurt? You know how to make it hurt. Yeah, you want to make it hurt. Trust me, we can make it hurt if we want to. Or if you just want to play charades. So... Yeah, so I'm I'm never I'm not a fan of the big drone strike unless you whack a dude like that Soleimani guy. That changed Iran's behavior a little bit. They got put on notice. Hey, we ain't fucking around with you guys anymore. You want to play this bullshit game? Go ahead, one up this shit. We'll see where it goes. So <clears throat> anyway, so yeah, big news overnight: missile strike. Blah 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 blah. So. That's going on. 
Um, I'm gonna do an interview with Kim and Greg today, but we're gonna do we're gonna play a game. It's not so much. Yeah, maybe it is a little bit of a game, but we're gonna talk about favorites. Favorites. All right. So, food, vehicles, right? Favorite place on the earth you've ever stood, right? Different things um, that are favorite. So, they'll join me here in about, ooh, in about seven minutes now. Um, so, uh, so always look forward to having uh, my friends on. And um, let's see what else is going on. Finished um, a couple videotapes. So, um, so I'm all the way through the second time now with a post-traumatic winning and I've got two more segments to do cause it now kind of branches out. The first four hours are the same and then there's an individual track and there's a leader track. So if you're just an individual watching it, watch these. And if you're a leader that watches that, that is interested, you're going to probably watch about eight different, uh, yeah, about eight eight segments of it and uh so yeah if you're in, if you're interested only if you want to save somebody's life only if you want to improve your life so otherwise i mean fuck it don't watch it so that's what i would tell you um but it is really good i don't mind saying it it is really good and you know some of the things it talks about uh, um you know just the infrastructure of your day after you go through difficult you know, traumatic events. Do you think you can get up and just absorb all that shit that trauma throws into your life? Do you think you can just absorb that normally? Do you really believe that? Do you? Right? If you do, you're a dope, right? Yeah, I just had this crazy shit happen in my life, but I'm still going to live, do all the things I used to do. I get up the way I normally get up and I do what I normally do and that's going to be the way I live my life. Okay, that's stupid, all right? That's straight up dumb. So, um, it has to change. And so, so in, I think it's hour five, we talk about the infrastructure that you need, right? Here's a couple things. If you've taken care of your money, your little eyes flutter open, and you don't have the money problem. If you're not hung over because you stopped drinking, right? Think about think about that just way to, you know, your eyes flutter open to that as opposed to, oh, man, my brain feels like shit, right? And, oh, my God, how am I going to pay my bills this month, right? Think about the difference in that. And think about then um, if you know how to do mental fitness. And I say mental fitness, and, and that means... Meditation's a part of that. And what is that? I hate the word meditation because it just has so much fucking baggage with it. Right? It has so much fucking baggage with it. In fact, I'll ask that too. We'll have a quick discussion about meditation. I don't call it meditation. I just call it mental fitness. Now, you could do it. Kobe Bryant does used to do it for 10 to 15 minutes every morning. I My brain doesn't work like that. Okay, I sit down before I start working, and for about 60 seconds, 
you know, I just slow my breath down. I get very deliberate about that. And I and I try to clear my head. I get all this shit out and let's, you know, let's focus on the day ahead. And I try to do that at noon and I try to do that late in the day. And then if I have to do it during the day because I can feel it getting cluttered and me getting irritated, I try to do that as well. And then I have my little anger technique, which is the Tom, thing, the Tom Seaver thing, which is take a breath, hold it, and spit it out. Okay? And when I spit it out, I spit the, all the venom, all the smoke, all the rest of that. And then take steps to not allow, if you can, some of that stuff back in your life. So anyhow, um, so again, think about that. Infrastructure in your day. Crazy, right? Crazy. And then what that would mean to your day in terms of not being derailed. It's a good thing. So anyway, so there's a difference in the fifth hour and the sixth hour. Fifth hour, probably most different. One for individuals, one for leaders and uh, leaders and units. And so anyway, so finishing that up. And then I'll go through and I'll do the whole thing again. And this time I'll shoot it um, with me in it presenting it because I've been counseled that I need to do that. So, anyhow, and that would be the culmination of all this, all my work here. So, that. Anyway, um, Whitney Houston, it is Friday, sings the national anthem. Good morning to you. Nice, nice, nice. Um, the greatest rendition of the national anthem I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. Bottom line, man, she rips it. And, you know, again, I I still am not over her life. I mean, she shows up as this 
beautiful, young, talented girl. And then when you see her towards the end of her life, what she had become, wow. And there's people that knew her that said, yeah, you know that thing you saw? That was her faking it. The girl she was at the end, that was her the whole time. You're like, what? Wow. Um, This is dedicated to the proposition that you not be afraid to change somebody's life. Okay? So, it's Friday. Okay? If you're listening to this, you've heard this program, you understand what post-traumatic winning is, this is dedicated to you that when... uh, when you hear somebody emitting, right, their, um, how shitty their life is, that you have the courage to say, can I talk to you? It starts with a question. So this is dedicated to that proposition. betraying your whole life if you don't say what you think and you don't say it honestly and bluntly what keeps you awake at night nothing i keep other people awake at night for this campus had prepared him well i'm very confident that thank you very much if this was vodka it'd be a lot better speech but I'm not supposed to glamorize alcohol anymore. So young folks, you ignore what I just said. We just have to execute. And we are executing every day. And Sergeant Major and I are very proud of what you do. Doesn't mean we can't get better. We don't, we don't want to make a mistake to learn. We don't want to lose to learn. We cannot lose if we have to go fight. We got to do what these Marines did here 75 years ago. Persevere against difficult challenging conditions and odds and win. You gotta win. Alright, time to check the weather. And then we'll uh we'll hear from Kim and Greg Lotus. Currently it is uh, partly sunny and forty eight in Quantico. It is cloudy and fifty five down the coast in North Carolina at Camp Lejeune. Sunny at 51 in 29 Palms. Sunny at 52 at Camp Pendleton. 
It is in Hawaii where I'm going to go three times in the next three months. How about that? I think starting in April. Um, dark cloudy in 74. Okinawa dark cloudy 68. In Darwin on the northern coast of Australia, it is dark cloudy 79. And in Norway, it's sunny in 50. How about that? In Grand Forks, North Dakota, where Kim and Greg are, it is partly sunny in 33. Looking for snow later today. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Snow tomorrow. Looking for a high of 44 degrees today. Low overnight of 9. And then snow tomorrow in 16. By Sunday, it'll be the low overnight will be 3 below. And then by next Tuesday, it'll be up to 45 degrees. And by Friday, 47 degrees. How about that? That is a look at your weather. Joining me from Grand Forks is Kim Holmes. Kim, how are you? Great, Mac. How are you doing today? I got. I, I don't think I have any issues right now, so I'm all right. I know you don't. I loved your opening. Uh, I, I always get moved when uh, she sings the national anthem. Yeah, she's, she does it. It is a moment of meditation <laughs> when she sings. I don't know about that. Speaking of meditation, Greg Glotus joins us. Greg, how are you? Hello? Hello, Greg. It says he's here, but I can't hear him. Why is that? That, that, that. Um, I don't know. Hold on. Let me hang out and try again. No, I think it's him. I don't think it's me. Hey, you've reached Greg. I'm busy getting a deep tissue massage. Unbelievable. <laughs> him and his deep tissue. Oh, God. Him and his deep tissue massage. Yeah, he's had that for years. <laughs> oh, no. I hate that message. Yeah, he's got to be very supple. <laughs> hey, you've reached Greg. Oh, I'm busy God. getting. He's brutal. Give me a few minutes. The um Oh he's powdering his nose. <laughs> right, right. He's screwed up. Um so Kim, what's new? Uh, anything exciting going on in uh hey, I have to tell you this. Well, Greg can comment on this when he gets on, but I think that I have a street named after me in Grand Forks, North Dakota. I saw the sign. <laughs> no. Mac, now, Mac, Mac Avenue or Mac Lane. Now, Kim, who else would they do that for? Only you. I mean, I mean, I mean, there's not a lot of Macs up there. It's not, it's not Mac Land. You're up the there. only one. Right. Right. It it's, deserves a street. But see, nobody would ever approve that. So they did. This is what I love about it. They did it on the down low. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what? and you're you're uh it's a street where the Richies live. <laughs> I know. Mike that's what my kids said. That's a South yeah, End street. That we don't we don't even recognize that part street. of the city. I'm like, I know. Yeah. That's where Greg lives down at the South End. Yeah, he does. He's he's got a beautiful yard and oh, home. Oh yeah, Richie Rich. Oh, yeah. God. All tunned up. Yeah, all that. So it's, it's just 
you know, he's got a big family, and it's perfect oh, yeah, for his yeah, family. Yeah, he's a big, he's a big shooter. The um, but how about that though? I love that. So I have people that love me in that town. Okay, because I was oh, always a man of the people. Hey, I had an alley named after me. Yeah, in Kim's this got town. an alley. Well, not really. It's called the Alley of Love. That's not named after you. We need Kim Holmes Drive. Well, it, yeah, no, no. You've got a real thing. No, but it, I, no, but it was all alley. done on the down low, though. That's what. That's the funniest thing about it. It's like, all right, we've got, <laughs> right? And I know there's a naming protocol for most places, but I'm sure they... You know, somebody in the engineering department said, yeah. we'll call it Mac Drive. And they looked around and like, because there were people that were running the government. They were not my biggest fans. Okay. Yeah. Is that fair? I, I, I think that's a good assumption. <laughs> <laughs> and so they would never approve that. But the engineering folks would just do it. And because that stuff doesn't even get, I don't even know who passes that. Right. I mean, the city council doesn't. So, yeah, somebody sent me, Mike Berg, who's a fo legendary football coach. Uh, and uh, A great guy. And a great guy. A Dodger fan. Um, hello. Hello. Yeah, Mike is from Southern California originally. Grew up here. And uh, I think grew up in Pasadena. And then uh, went to college in the, the Black Hills of South Dakota. And then got his first teaching job in Grand Forks, North Dakota. Stayed there. Still lives there. Uh, in the north end of town where I used to yeah. live. But, uh, yeah, Mike said, yeah, we were driving around. And he sends me this picture, you know, Mac Drive. And spelled M-A-C, too. And he said, he said, is this what I think it is? And I said, it can be no other, correct, in that city. Yeah. He said, that's what my wife and I were saying. I think it's tremendous. I think it's hilarious. I've been showing it to everybody and hey. laughing my ass off. <laughs> because it's 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 the greatest street sign in Grand Forks. <laughs> but there was no ribbon cutting, right? It was no. just all done on the down low, which I think is funny. Which yeah. I think is funny. So the um so anyway, um yeah, that's that's officially a thing now. Um Again, there's not too many people in my family that are pleased with it. But you know what? I don't really care. Everybody should be proud as hell. Oh, they're not. They're haters. Trust me. Right? If I'm getting that's, ahead, they're falling behind. That's just the way it is. That's that's too bad. I know. It speaks to very poorly you, of them. You, as you know, I don't think that way. That's I just know. bullshit. I know it is. I, my family's bullshit. I, I agree with you. And you know all of them. Um, Greg Lotus joins us. Greg, how are you? Yeah, it's him. Good not. morning, Greg. It's him. He's got problems today. He's probably got some kind of technology issue. Blah, 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 blah. Because if you can hear it ringing, you should be able to hear it when he says hi. But yes. you can't. And huh. I don't know why. So, I don't know. Hey, I got oh. Hello. Oh, hey, he, fin he finally unscrews himself. No, I can tell you it's a technology issue, but um, I'm going to be honest with you. It's an inter internal plumbing issue. Uh, well, no, we can. You answered. Oh, anyway, I don't want to talk about that. Let's talk about meditation. You're a big, okay. um, you coach people, high-end performance. Yeah. Um, I... Yeah. 
the whole term meditation I struggle with a little bit, but the function I don't. Um, and I saw in my presentation, I saw a, a video of Kobe Bryant talking about, you know, he used to meditate every day for 10 to 15 minutes in the morning. It's his anchor. I show a, a shot of LeBron James essentially meditating during the game, during the game. Right. And what is he doing? Yeah. Right. He's, he's, he's calm, you know, he's blowing the venom and smoke out of his ears. And this is how I picture it. Right. <laughs> bringing, bringing his brain back to a, a calm place where he can perform at a high level. And then I show this anger management technique that Tom Seaver used to use after he'd give up a home run where he'd take a breath, hold it for a second. And he told me that a guy in New York City taught this to him. Hold it for a second, and then he's thinking, I'm done with this, I'm done with this, I'm done with this. And when he sp he'd spit the breath out on, on, on pitcher's mound. I'd see him spit. Yeah. And, and he said, look, when I, when I spit that breath out, I spit the whole event out. And when I put that glove on and turn around, I'm totally focused on the next pitch. And, and Greg, you do a lot of mental, you know, fitness coaching. Uh, your thoughts about all of that? And in particular, and, and I talk about it because trying to live your life after traumatic things have happened is not easy, right? Greg has a, has a, has a temper, right, that's explosive, right, like Roman Candle-ish. And so you try to control that stuff after everything Greg has been through, Greg and Heather have been through. And so I'm curious about the things that you teach relative to that. Well, you're, you're talking about Kobe Bryant and LeBron James and stuff, uh, which are all evident. And what I deal with mostly is a lot of people don't want to hear the term meditation. You want to sit there and meditate. But if you use the word visualization, um, it has been proven that visualization does work. And when I say that, um, I use a study that was done on soldiers that had uh, massive traumatic injuries, such as uh, a loss of one limb in, uh, you know, with a, due to an IED or something like that. And they started where they, they lost a, a limb below the knee. And they were in bed for so long, recovering from the injuries. But they started having the, the soldiers visualize themselves running. And what they did was they hooked up um, the muscle stimulation and uh, that let, let uh, the doctors know if the muscles were firing. And when the soldiers pictured themselves uh, like what they used to do, running, climbing, jumping, stuff like that. What it would do is it would fire the muscles in the leg that was damaged severely. And they found that recuperation took way less time based totally on visualization and mental focus. And so when you talk about a temper uh, like myself, uh, which served me well when I was playing football, it doesn't really serve you well when someone's being an asshole and you want to bitch slap them. Um, so the visualization as far as what Kobe Bryant and what LeBron James does is they visualize success. They visualize themselves 
getting the ball, making the, the, the game-winning shot, doing things like that. And I am a big proponent in one sentence, and that is this. If you could see it, you could achieve it. And when you start getting people to believe that, that if they can see themselves doing something in their mind and they could work towards it, they can achieve it. The mind is so powerful. It, it, it makes what, you know, everything that the body is doing is coming from your mind. So when you sharpen it, when you give it a task to do, uh, especially an appropriate task and it's a focused task, it's very good at retaining that information and having it at your forefront when you go on in the future. Interesting. Kim, you've been through a lot of physical shit last year. Do you do anything yeah. like that? I mean, do you, do you meditate? Yeah, do you- I, 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 I do. I have my quiet time where I just think about getting well and uh, where I was and where I'm going, and uh, and I do it a couple times a day, especially in the morning, and uh, sometimes in the afternoon if it's been a bad day in the gym or you know I'm not feeling that great, uh, and always at night before I go to bed I just think what a great day I had and what problems I solved or didn't. And, uh, well, you know, I, better, one, one of the things I think of, like, I mean, we're all into fitness, right? Uh, physical yeah. fitness, right? Nutrition, Fitbits, right? Oh, yeah. You know, personal trainers and all that stuff. But when it comes to, and, and again, I don't like the word mental health because it, it skews to something's wrong with you. And so to me, the word, you know, the phrase I use is mental fitness, like, being yeah. just as conscious yeah. about making sure your 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 mind is right and your mind is strong and you understand the things you have to do and and because again to me if you think you can go through and, and again I'll just you know I'll, both these guys Kim you know uh, forced isolation by COVID quadruple bypass in the hospital by himself blah 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 Greg right knee injury NFL career over wife gets breast cancer right. Walks with a cane for the rest of his life. If we think that we can go through this shit and not change our behavior, and most of us don't, most of us fake it and we self-medicate with alcohol and prescription medication or recreational drugs. That's how we fucking do it. And you wonder why our suicide numbers are so bad, our alcohol rates are so high, our drug addiction rates are so high, because we don't modify our behavior. We don't modify our behavior. Greg, thoughts on that? Well, I don't, I don't know if you could just put it in that box. Um, you know, I understand what you're saying, but I know it's increasingly difficult for uh, mothers and fathers or adults, uh, the people that we're really speaking to right now that are listening, um, to, to deal with, uh, you know, the issues at hand that come from economic impact, uh, loss of jobs, trying to feed your family, doing all this kind of stuff. And I think that, you know, when we look at our education and what we've been taught, uh, you go to school, you do gym, you know, library, music, biology, blah, 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 this and that. But there really isn't anything instructed to us other than from our parents 
um, that deal with mental fitness or coping mechanisms other than the, the ones you mentioned, such as recreational drugs, alcohol, or, or anything else, uh, suicide, all those kind of things. So what I would say is that there is an opportunity here to take a look at what we're doing and not drastically change, but in addition to, if we don't teach the, the young people at a very early age that it's acceptable to convey feelings, it's okay to ask for help, it's okay to reach out, then there's a stigma associated with it. And I know that everybody listening that's struggling right now, because there's probably a great deal that are listening and are struggling that do not want to reach out because it's a sign of weakness. And that has been taught to us by our, you know, through no fault of their own, uh, you know, the way we grew up. And, and so I, I think there's an opportunity, Mac, when we deal with mental fitness. And I really like that, that word uh, because we talk about physical fitness and there's no stigma associated with that. But the mental fitness part of it, hey, what runs the show? The brain is the furnace, right? We right. got to right. make sure that it's got a clean filter. And, and then she's running at optimal temperature uh, in order for it to go. So uh, I think that's what my whole point is, Mac, is is the people that I deal with, the performance people that from the UND hockey team to uh, guys in the NFL or NHL or everything like that, they've actually taken the first step and said, hey, things aren't working out for me. And the reason why they come back is because they get to plug in and they get to suck the energy or knowledge from me and they get to continue to to do it. Otherwise, I don't think they would come back. Oh, well, let me just tell you, I, to me, if the way I kind of uh, try to make people visualize it is, you know, when you go through difficult times, that's life shoving you into the valley of the shadow of death. And when you won't talk about it, when the way you cope is you fake it. And I, and I give a little example of, you know, I'm nine years old. My mother has breast cancer. At some point, somebody takes me to the hospital and I'm sitting in a chair and then they say, Mac, you need to kiss your mother goodbye. And I do. And my mom doesn't kiss me back. Right. And she dies. And hopefully they get me out of the room before that happens. But if they don't, I watch that too. And I go to school and I have people that care about me, teachers and counselors and coaches, and they ask me, hey, Mac, do you want to talk? Do you, do you, do you want to talk? And, and the answer to that is no. I'm the only kid I know that, I, that doesn't have a mom. And, but I don't want to talk about it because it makes me cry. And even at a young age, we learn how to fake it, right? And then when we become uh-huh. a teenager, we learn how to self-medicate. And that's how most of us cope. And, and then we hear suck it up. There's a time and a place to suck it up. But in order for you to deal with this shit, you've got to stop faking it. You've got to talk about your shit, right? And, and, and you've got to learn how to be mentally fit. And that's what gets you out of the valley, valley of the shadow of death. And you can see but, what we're doing is we're driving the bus deeper into the valley by faking it and isolating ourselves. And, 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 and Greg's right. The incredible opportunity is to teach these life skills, right? There is a time and a place to suck it up. There's also a time and a place to not fake it, to open up to the people that care about you and say, I'm fucking struggling today. 
And, and I tell everybody, the funniest part about that when you'll say that is 50% of the time, the person you says it, say it to will look at you and say this. Well, guess what? I'm glad you said that because I'm shit today too, which is really interesting because we're all, most of us are walking around faking it and struggling, as you said earlier. Well, what I was going to say, also say too, is that there's nothing that brings people together like something in common. And when, like, I can't talk to my wife about what it feels like to have cancer and to have battled cancer. I don't understand it. I don't begin to try to understand it. And so I think a lot of the times when people don't reach out and they self-medicate and do those things is because they don't believe, besides feeling weakness or, or having someone look at them as being weak, they also don't feel like they could share a common response. And that's what's difficult, Mac, you know, and Kim. That's, that's what's difficult for a lot of these people. Uh, I think men and women both. I think men a little bit uh, more because they're supposed to be like these broad-chested, you know, I'm going to defend everybody and do it, all this kind of stuff. But in reality, if you would actually shut up and just listen, listen. to somebody... And not not listen to respond, listen to listen. Then it's a lot different story. Kim, what do you think? I agree with both of you. I, I uh, you know, I lost my dad when I was six and a half, and uh, I, I just was kind of didn't understand. But uh, I had a family. Uh, uncles and a mom and and all that uh they uh they watched out after me but i just kind of kept it inside until i think the fourth grade i was in a, a class and i just broke down and started crying and a teacher comes over and says what's wrong and a sobbing and telling her i got it all out in the open then and pretty much from that time on, uh, I, I take the good, the bad, uh, but I always try and, you know, walk on the bright side of the road and, uh, and, uh, deal with the highway of life as best I can with the tools I have. Mm-hmm. And, uh, when, when I got in the restaurant business, uh, <clears throat> everybody always came to me and, and, uh, and I loved helping kids i mean that that was that was my driving force uh well let me because- another another part of your business though kim i mean you had a bar <laughs> you saw people right numbing themselves to their shit too right so you yeah. see you see yeah. two sides of it on a daily basis nightly basis i did and and uh and all that uh you know everybody uh uh getting themselves tuned up on booze or smoking or doing drugs. I I mean, I did all that stuff, but it was like, you know, it, it wasn't something that I wanted to be in another state of mind by doing that. Just, uh, you know, do having a good time. And, and then after my surgery, uh, I don't do anything. 
Uh, I mean, uh, this last month of February, I've gone from 220 to 205. Whoa. And uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I, Going into the gym three days a week, I I uh, really watch my diet, uh, and uh, I'm I'm a uh, you know Beth and I are pretty content, and even through all this shit, and and you asked me last week, you know, what about uh, if you're in business now? Well, I'd have to reinvent myself. And that would consist of uh, just giving food away and, and uh, running up my my tab at the grocery store and uh, and having to go stuff. Uh, uh, I would not be happy about having my restaurant closed because uh, I had a big space that last one, and uh, and I could have you know well he does a good job in there. Uh, and uh, Nate Shepard at the Moose. He's got such a big space, and his takeout and catering is still pretty strong. Uh, the guy from the ground round who's going to run Harry's when we get it open, uh, he's doing tremendous uh, catering. And, uh, and but, you know, it, it's just... Uh, you you gotta you gotta uh, suck it up and and uh, and and try and keep yourself level headed and and positive. Thinking positive helps me a lot. But again, Kim, I I would tell you that you can only again suck it up. There's a time and a place to suck it up. And and again, I mean, I my life is a as a growing up the the son of a professional athlete a coach, yeah. right? You know, the whole lens you look through is the team. You know, you know how to suck it up for the team and then join the Marine yeah. Corps, right? And then, you know, yeah. you really learn how to suck it the fuck up. And but you can only suck it the fuck up for so long before No, you yeah, it, you it, can't. It crushes I mean, you. So to me, right, but... yeah, I again, I love way, the way Greg articulated that, which is there's an incredible opportunity um for credible people and I think that's really important where the, the, who the messengers are um, for credible people to put their hand on somebody's shoulder and say, hey, yeah. man, let's sit down. I want to I talk to you. I want to I explain t- some shit to you. And th- that credibility opens that door. Greg, your, your, thoughts, on, your thoughts on this? Well, I, what I was going to say is as Kim was explaining that, uh, his, his, basically his life and what you do, I guess what I keep going back to is that, you know, we, all three of us can sit and watch a hockey game or watch a play or whatever. And then someone will ask us, what do you think about it? And we have different perspectives, all three of us, even though we saw the same exact thing. And the reason I say that is, is because, you know, we, we're all friends and we trust each other, but there are a lot of people out there that don't have a lot of friends. Uh, They don't have uh, a trusted person that is going to be honest with them. They feel isolated. They feel uh, like no one can understand them. And you talk about someone that's going to put your, your hand on, on that person and says, you know, I'll listen and stuff. But, 
you know, the person's perspective, the one that we're talking to, the one that needs help, the one that may not realize they need help, you know, they may not have uh, a quality support system. Like Kim said, he lost his dad at six and a half, but he still had a family. You know, you, you've been through a divorce, but yet you remain uh, very good friends with your wife. Your kids are, are just doing so well and stuff like that. You have a lot to be proud of. But there's some people, Mac, that don't have those kind of friends. And that's why I think the educational yeah. part of it, you know, the educational part of it where it's, it, it's actually intertwined in schools it, it could be very yeah. helpful, and I don't I don't know why it it hasn't happened yet. Well, let me tell you, I, what, what kids get taught at school is that their feelings are really important, and 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 again, uh, and and your feelings are important, but if 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 your feelings are at the center of your existence, right, and you don't know you don't know how to do that, God bless you because it's going to be a rough hoe. It's going to be a rough road. Well, to it is right yeah. on. And, yeah. and, and, we... and what I was talking about, you know, you're so right. Is that, you know, if you, if you say no to, to a child or a kid, they say, Oh, you're being, you know, rude or you're not listening. And I'm like, no, that's, there's a difference between, you know, you know, watching out for you and being rude. Okay. Um, but a lot of times they think whatever, you know, they believe or whatever they say is the most important but what I'm talking about is the ability to teach them and, and give them tools to deal with the, the mental issues the, the, you know, that, that come up with get, getting cut from a team. You don't call, you don't tell your parents and they call the coach and say, my son or daughter didn't make it, uh, I want them on the team. That should never have ever taken place. But now we're babysitting our kids to the point where, you know, if they get on their own, they're done. And what my line to my kids since they were little is, it's not what I teach you to do. It's what I teach you to do for yourself. Because I'm not always going to be around. Right. I'm not always going to hold your fucking hand. Right. Okay? And and that's what I love about what our our kids are doing. They're, they're going out on their own and, and and they're surviving, but they're also getting knocked down a little bit, Mac. Hey, welcome! Hey, welcome to the real world, my son. My right, old, right my oldest up. That's, in, that's well said, Greg. My oldest up in Norway, right? And uh, yeah. and he said, uh, "What did he say the other day?" He said, "Hey, Dad, I had a Marine, and they're screwing around in their off time, and he breaks his leg, and um, and they're you know now we've got the the our our medics in there, and you know this that and the other thing." And he looks at me and he says, so you're not going to send me home. And my son looked down at him and says, hey, man, your leg's a long way from your heart. And, right, <laughs> right, which is something that, you know, you hear in your home growing up. <laughs> right? And, that was great. Right? And, and you hear this stuff, Right. But Greg's, and I'll, I'll go back to Greg's point. A lot of people don't get raised like that, right? Oh, no. are you okay? Oh, we'll send you on the next flight home. Oh, no, no, no. You're going to stay with us, right? We'll find something to, we'll, you know, we're in Norway for God's sakes. It is cold. We'll find something to put over, you know, the cast and your stump. 
And you're going to still be a functional part of this organization, a functional part of this unit. You're going to be a part of this team. You're not going anywhere. You're with us. Whoa. What just happened there? Somebody just said, I love you. I care about you. You're part of this tribe. You ain't going anywhere. You know how good that feels? That feels awesome. Yeah. But again, it's learned though. It, it, you don't grow, you don't, that doesn't fall out of the sky. And, and so to me, the word, Greg, your phrase, we have a tremendous opportunity to teach mental fitness. And it's really important because when life starts kicking your ass, it's rough. Yeah. It's rough. It's rough. I mean, think about this. Kim, how old are you, Kim? Uh, 77 next month. 77. So 61 years ago, Kim loses his father. And he just he he just starts telling a story about it. You can hear the emotion in his voice kicking his ass. Sixty one years ago, this shit does not go away. And if you don't know how to deal with it, if you don't have somebody to talk to, right? If you don't know the appropriate time when to suck it up and when to look at somebody and say, "I'm struggling today, man. Can we talk?" If you don't have that, man, you're going you're going deeper into the valley of the shadow of death, and that is not the way you want to live life. You got to live your life out of that valley, and there's behavior required, and you can do it. And again, you don't do this shit. You don't do this shit with everybody. You know, there's certain people that you do fake it in front of. But with your besties, the people you're close with, and we all have those, right? Yeah. You have to. And But again, if you don't have somebody like Greg, like Kim, or like me in your life to put their hand on your shoulder and say, hey, here's how you do it. I do it. You can do it too. But, who but te- Mac, who you know how hard it is? Like, I, I watch, uh, like, just say high school basketball games, Okay. And I see uh, some of the kids that have been playing with my son forever and ever now. Um, but their parents are there. They're supportive and everything else. But the kid, you know, he dribbles down the floor. He gets his pocket picked or, you know, he goes up for a shot, doesn't get the foul call. He's sitting on the floor pouting while the other teams go in the other way. And then when he gets up, all of a sudden his leg is sore and he's going over to the bench and he's asking for a sub. And, and the, so the coach has to call a timeout and it just infuriates me <laughs> because I wonder where the parents are like after the game. And they say, you have the balls to get blocked on a shot. You don't get the call. So you pout. And then all of a sudden you have this miraculous leg injury where you you even have more balls or no balls to go ask for a sub. And then within 30 seconds, you're back on the floor like you're brand new, you know? And so there's so many teaching points in a day or where we could offer assistance and, and call them out on things. And I, I think when we don't, then it's a problem. And that's where you talk about the school and the feelings and, oh, how are you doing today and everything else? Well, guess what? Life is not all about fucking you, okay? Now, you have a place in this world, and if you're hurting or whatever, we, let's deal with it. But there's a time and a goddamn place. But it just infuriates me. Well, with hey, Greg, let me just tell you. Let me, like, oh. Well, let me tell you the cost of this is that that person, right, gets excreted at some point into the world they don't they don't know how to solve problems they don't know how to overcome adversity because they've never been held accountable and they've never said these words it's my fault 
right? They've never tightened their yeah. belt, right? Gritted their teeth, put their shoulders back and say, I will outwork this mistake and I will make it good. And if you don't have that life skill of overcoming adversity, you get out into the real world, right? And life starts kicking your ass. And the cost is these higher rates of suicide. These kids don't have mental health issues. They are getting their asses kicked by life. They've had shit parenting and they have no coping skills. And I see this shit all the time. It is not a mental health problem. It is a life problem, and they don't. And, and the skills that Greg just talked about, right? It's the coach's fault. It wasn't my fault. It's everybody else's fault. It's the teacher's fault, which were never allowed when we were kids. And and the price no. to pay is these kids kill themselves at higher rates because they just can't take it. They can't take the daily ass whipping of life, and that's our fault as parents. Our, that's all far, all far, all far. That's all. Our far, it's our problem as educators and leaders in communities. You know, Kim, thoughts? Well, I just, you know, you're right on. I, I just, I remember uh, doing sports and uh, and Dad hitting me grounders and stuff, and uh, and he kept hitting them harder and harder and they kept bouncing off my body. And <laughs> I got tears streaming down my cheeks and he <laughs> says, buck it up, bucko. Let's go. You're going to stop these suckers. And, 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 I'm, and my, my uh, brother's catching him and, uh, and I'm, I'm running them down. And finally, you know, I got a dozen in a row. And diving, you know, you have to dive for them and all that shit. <laughs> just, and, uh, but boy, it felt great when I, uh, you know, I came back into the home plate and they, both of them said, great way to go. Good hustle. And, yeah. And, uh, and see the thing, the thing is kid, what you're talking about is when you came back to the home plate, you felt like a million bucks because they said, hey, nice yeah. job. And you didn't you didn't hear that all that often. But when you no. heard it, you knew okay. that they meant it. You oh, knew that they I, meant I, it. I just, yeah. I, uh, I got blessed, by the way, with a great stepfather who was, who butchified me, as I say it. Uh, mother stepped out of the way and let him raise me. And uh, I remember uh, playing uh, Babe Ruth ball, and I'm just sitting around the house. He comes home for lunch, 14 years old. He said, just got my work permit, and I'm trying to get a lifeguard job at the local pool. And uh, and uh, he says, come on, we're going to go get your school clothes. And... Uh, <laughs> And I said, well, Jesus, it's only uh, late June. Not, we're going to go today. I've got to drive back to the plant first. So we get back to the plant, the concrete block plant he had. And and I said, well, how long are you going to be? It says, oh, we'll leave here about 536 o'clock tonight. You see that wheelbarrow, (laughs) the shovel, and the broom? You got to start cleaning the yard. You're working five and a half days a week. I'll give you a half a day off, uh, uh, the afternoon off if you have a baseball game. But 75 cents an hour, go for it. And, man, he, <laughs> he, 
he, about every hour of that first day, he'd come out and, you, yeah, you got to do better than that, son. Yeah. And, yeah. And, uh, and he, uh, he, I was very blessed, uh, because he didn't cut me any slack. And, uh, well, and, but, Matt, he, but he, he was a great man. And I was uh, going to say, it, Matt, <laughs> Matt, I listened to Kim's story and I mean, it, it's about a guy that gave a shit and taught his, his stepson with the same love as if it was his own son. And yeah, it I reminds me, son, as far as yeah, he was concerned. So saying, yeah, absolutely. And it reminds me of a story um, that I tell or Heather tells actually uh, when the kids were younger and they asked me, uh, my rule was that uh, we would never do extra work, uh, whether it be football or baseball. I would never demand it of you. You had to come ask me if you wanted to do extra work. So we'd go in the back and, and the kids, when they were younger, they always wanted to be wide receivers and uh, running backs and this and that. And I would throw the ball to them. Now it wasn't an official size football. It was a littler one, but I would zing it to them. And I mean, fucking bullets. And Heather came out, Heather came out one time and said, Greg, like, why are you throwing so hard to them? They they could barely catch every third one. I said, do you think someone else is going to throw it softer for them as they get older? And she, and she goes, well, you got a point. And now if you blast the football to my kids, they'll snatch it out of the air like nobody's business because that's the way they were taught. Right. Yep. Right. No, it's amazing. It's amazing. You know what? When cut me some slack, Patrick, oh. when he was little, he wasn't little. He's my 12, 13. He walks up to me one day in the hallway of our house, and he like he like bows up on me, and he looks at me and goes, you want me to cut you some slack? And I think, and I said, you're an idiot. You don't even know what you're saying. You mean to say, no. do you want me to kick your ass, and you're saying, do you want me to cut you some slack? Cut you some slack. <laughs> And I said, I said, you better get your dumb ass away from me before I cut you some slack. <laughs> but no, you know what? I will tell you, one of the coolest experiences of my life now on a regular basis, sometimes multiple times a day, is, is crossing paths with young people who don't know this stuff. And then, you know, being a person that opens the door to this and, and looking at them and say, hey, look, you can do this. Right. The only reason you're where you're at today, given the story you just told me, is because your own personal character and your own DNA. You shouldn't be here. You should be something yeah. else. And I'm going to tell you, if you can do this, you can do that. You can conquer all this. I know you can. And just to see them, you know, react to that. And then when they yeah. take – and Greg sees this all the time. And, Kim, you saw this as you coach guys and brought them down to work for you. All of a sudden, yeah. they take a couple steps – in the right direction that they've never taken before. It's like, yeah. holy shit. They know they can do it now. And it is, yeah. it is a, it is a feeling that never gets old. That, that whole teaching and coaching piece. Oh, it's a great feeling when you help somebody and they realize, Hey, I can do this. I can do this. <laughs> no, you change. I mean, you literally, you change a life and that's uh, it's, it's a pretty, pretty cool thing. Now, Greg, I know you got to go. Um, I was going to um, 
I was going to ask you guys a series of questions. So I'll, I'll stick around. All right. Greg, you got to no, go. No, I got a couple minutes. I got a couple minutes. All right. Uh, so let, let's I want to ask ta- Greg first. I want to talk about favorites. All right. Um, now you can only pick one and you've got to pick, you got to choose. Okay. First of all, favorite movie, Greg, only one. Oh, shit. Oh, my. Uh, I would say. Uh, one movie. I can't do two. No, one. I would say. Well, my first inclination would be to say Godfather, but in my heart, Rudy is my number one movie. Oh, what a sap, Kim! Number one movie. Oh, uh, it would have to be. Uh... Oh Jesus! Uh... It's hard. It is hard. It is hard. Uh, God damn. Uh, oh, my God. Are you kidding me? Well, fuck no, you. It, 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 would probably, it would probably be uh, uh, Jimmy Stewart's movie. A Christmas oh, movie. Wonderful uh, Life? It's a Wonderful Life. Wonderful it's Life? It's a Wonderful Life. I, I watch it every year. Uh, yeah. At least... At least Twice. Got it. That's mine, by the way. Um, your favorite hors d'oeuvre, Greg? Only one. Oh, you must. That is that. <laughs> oh, my God. What the heck? Come on. Your favorite hors d'oeuvre, your go-to, is what? So before the meal, I order an hors d'oeuvre, is what you're saying. Yes. Um, what is it? What's your go-to? I would say a charcuterie tray. There you go. All right. Whatever the hell that is. Kim? What is your favorite or or hors d'oeuvre? Shrimp cocktail. Mine's calamari. Um, your favorite. Oh, I, I like calamari too. <laughs> your favorite candy, your go-to candy. Mine is peanut M Ms. Kim. Oh jeez, I'd say. Uh, well, they don't make them anymore. It's a Snickers bar. Snickers. Yeah, the Snickers bar. A Clark bar. Clark bar. All right, uh, Greg. Favorite candy. Oh, with without a doubt, I would say it's uh, dairy milk chocolate from Canada. Got it. Milk chocolate from Canada. The, the, your favorite vehicle that you've ever owned? Oh, <laughs> uh, the one, the one that saved my life, my uh, Nissan Titan. The Titan. Yeah, yeah, the airbags. That's not too far from where we work together. Um, Kim, yeah. your fa- your favorite vehicle you've ever owned? 1962 Porsche SC Carrara. Whoa. Oh, my God. And you fucking sold it? Uh, I, I sold it. Uh, For nothing, too. On, on, uh, no, yeah, I had to, I rolled it. So, uh, oh, there you go. well, that's different. That's called salvage. That's called salvage. I'm going to start no, calling I, you Tiger Woods. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding, yeah. Tiger. What about um mine is uh mine's my my favorite car is what I have now, my Nissan uh Frontier that I've had since two thousand ten. I've owned this truck for eleven years. Great. Yeah, and it still runs your favorite moment in sports, and Greg, not that you participated in, but the your when you think of your favorite moment that you've ever seen on sports on T V or 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 live, what was it? 
I'd say the Miracle on Ice. Miracle on Ice. Kim? Oh, it was when uh, uh, Bart Snar start uh, snuck in the finish line in that uh, the frozen ice, the, ice, the ice bowl, bowl in the frozen tundra with uh, against Dallas. Mine is um, Aaron Boone's home run in the, the extra oh, innings. The and, and again, yeah. it is the quintessential pandemonium. And what I love about it is when he hits it. The sound of the crowd in Old Yankee Stadium, and as they follow the ball up into left field, you see this wave of beer coming out of the third deck, right? As, <laughs> as all these people launch their beer, and you see it coming out, it's my favorite sports instant instant moment. Your favorite entree. What about what about Wade Boggs though for the Dodgers? No way, not even close. Not even close. That was awesome. Oh, that garbage. Favorite, favorite, <laughs> favorite entree. You show up in a restaurant. You could order anything you've ever eaten. What do you order? Oh, that, that's not even fair. I mean, there's hey, so light. Hey, life's not fair, Buttercup. Kim, your favorite entree. So the one thing you'd order. You sit down. You can have anything in the world. What do you order? Well, I used to go to this place in uh, near Palo Alto, and it was the first time I ever had it. It was a bone-in prime rib uh, with horseradish sauce, and they had a cart, a silver cart that they'd come over, and they cut the son of a bitch right in front of you, <laughs> slap it on your plate <laughs> with a baked potato with all the, the goodies. Uh, that that would be famous- my favorite. That's a famous restaurant, the one they bring the cart out to. That's Lowry's in L.A., but... Yeah. But, yeah. Where they yeah, made the salt, right? That's where the, the place where the salt comes from. The seasoning yeah. salt. Yeah. I don't know. Lowry's seasoning salt. Yeah, I don't know but, why I know uh, that, but I do. There's another place in San Francisco that still does it that's uh, very swank. But uh, I, I never seen a silver cart pulled out like that, and then that all those prime ribs inside the heat lamp and all that shit. Oh man. I thought that, and I, I died and gone to heaven. Then. You literally, you had, what about uh, Greg? You're okay. One entree from where, what is it? Yeah, there was a restaurant in Vegas that I went to, um, that we didn't have to pay for when I was playing and they served a beef Wellington that I would have slapped my mother for honest to God. (laughs) It was amazing. It was amazing. My favorite of all time is the mixed seafood grill at Kim's joint. Um, and he let me substitute a little piece of, uh, of ribeye for some, for some scallops. I didn't, I didn't want. And, that, uh, my all the meals, so it was it was scampi, a piece of ribeye, and uh, what was the other piece of fish? crab cake? Cra- uh, crab cake. Loved it, man, with garlic. Thanks, hey, Kim. You would have loved it. I, Kim, I made. Uh, my wife went down to Aldi's and uh, a couple of places in Fargo and got me some uh, flounder, some scallops, some shrimp, uh, mussels, clams. And I made a seafood stew the other day uh, that it just got wiped out from everybody. I even invited my brother-in-law over, 
a, a chowder, basically. God damn, it was good. And I know I made it, so I couldn't pump my own tire. But when I tasted it, Jesus Whoa. Christ, it was just what? It was amazing. What do you mean you can't pump your own tire? You are the king of. I don't of the- like this. Oh my God, that's a joke. Um. All right, your uh, the favorite your favorite site you've ever seen. So this is kind of a a a tourist thing, or you know, when you think of like beautiful places you've ever seen, or something that sticks in your mind, you know, yeah. what is it, Kim? Okay, I uh, my fourth year in Switzerland. Whoa. I did my first helicopter flight, helicopter skiing, and they took us up uh, in front of the Jungfrau. We just went straight up in front of the Eiger, and then we popped over the top, and we saw the whole top of Switzerland. And when I, when we got out of the helicopter at thirteen thousand feet, and and there was a panorama of just the bluest sky I've ever seen, and then a glacier. And we skied down this glacier all the way into Italy. But just that moment, we had, we stopped for a break about, oh, maybe a quarter of a mile down the glacier, and just standing there looking. And I never seen anything more beautiful than in my life. Uh, I would, took my breath away. I just, I had I had to take a couple of deep breaths and just look around and go. I am so fucking lucky. It wow. it, it was remarkable, guys. Wow. It was one of the I, and and I did it once again. Uh, but uh, it's it just uh, the only two times I helicopter skied. But that moment uh, when you get when you're surrounded by the Alps and that you've seen those pictures of the, you know, the top of Switzerland and just nothing but snow capped mountains. And I was, and I felt like such an ant standing there in my outfit skis. And there were about eight of us and uh, looking at each other going, Oh my God. Boy, do I feel like an ant. And then uh, at one time, a, a Swiss jet flew over and real low, and uh, it was pretty cool. Well, that would be uh, my very. I think about that shot all the time. All right, Greg, how about you? I would say the best thing I've ever seen in my life is when the church doors open and I got to see my wife in her white dress. Oh, good one. We didn't even know Heather walked in. What the hell? The, um, yeah, she... yeah, nice. Well, hey, well, well played, Maurer. The, um, the, uh, I'll tell you, this is, again, this is me. I walked into Yankee Stadium. I'd been there before with my son, Patrick. We flew there because he said, he tells me, you have to take me to Yankee, old Yankee Stadium before it closes. And I said, what? And we wind up taking Casey Perper, who played baseball, was a friend of Patrick's, and uh, played baseball at Central for me. And uh, so we go to Yankee Stadium. We walk in via 
the left field bleachers. And we come yeah. up this ramp, and I'm with my son, and you come up the ramp, and then you crest, and you can see the field, right? Yeah. Here in front of you, and opening up is Yankee Stadium, the house that Ruth built, right? Yeah. And we're standing there looking. It's absolutely beautiful. And he looks at wow. me. And he looks at me, and he says, Dad, this is the best. Thank you. I bet. Yeah. Right. And so I, again, it's it, like, I, I'll never forget, you know, that moment, that moment. I, I will tell you another, well, it was a perfect moment, but it wasn't beautiful. Um, anyway. All right, boys. Look, uh, I appreciate your uh, participation in uh, this morning. I, I have to add to Greg Whoa. was, uh, today is my 31st anniversary. Oh, happy anniversary to you and Beth. Thank you. And, uh, the way Beth looked, uh, when we got married in Jamaica, uh, I, I thought I was in a movie, you know, wow. just, who is this girl? She's, she's way out of my class. <laughs> I'm go. really marrying up. <laughs> well, happy anniversary. Thank you. Thank you. There you go. Wow. You guys both doing good today. Congratulations on that. <laughs> there you go. Way to suck All up. Right. Well, We'll talk to you soon, Mac. All right, bud. Thank you. All right. Take care, Kim. I love you. Love you, too. Take care, Greg. Greg Lotus. Kim, have a great weekend. Thank you very much. All right, bud. Take care. You have a wonderful one, too. And uh, today was really fun. Yeah. No, no. Good people. Good conversation. Thank you. Really? Well, it's your call, baby. All right, bud. You made it. You made it perfect. Thank you. No. My privilege. Thanks, Kim. The um, there's Kim Holmes and Greg Lotus here on a uh, on a Friday edition of All Marine Radio. Yeah, you know, you know, it's funny. You do all kinds of what you think is great stuff, and the thing that you get the most email about is is some of the so the more entertaining things that that you do. So it's just interesting. That'll do it on a uh, on a Friday, you know. And again, you hear, you know, just us talking about, you know, the opportunity you have to educate people, and uh, I would tell you, every opportunity you have to do that, especially for young people, uh, don't pass that up. And most importantly, it's an opportunity to change your life. And don't pass that up. Don't pass that opportunity up. Because it will only, only um, get better for you. So, with that said, uh, in the first part of the show, I talk about the airstrikes, which... Again, I'm, I've long been on record saying that this is the modern-day version of the body count, right? And most of those strikes are irrelevant. Somebody else takes their place, right? You know, we say like, oh, yeah, this, this great air power. Well, what has it got us? What is the end state in Afghanistan? Answer, we're leaving after 20 years. And what did we achieve? Well, we'll see. We'll see, but it doesn't look, I mean, we use the term cautiously pessimistic. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, that's not a very good outlook. And in Iraq, what will Iraq become? So uh, we shall see here in the future. But all that air power, all those missile strikes, they they shrug that shit off most days like it's nothing. Now the Suleimani airstrike, that's a little bit different. You want to send a message? There's your message. So uh, talk about that a little bit, and then uh, and then Kim and Greg join us. We talk about we start. We, I'll tell you a real, very interesting conversation about meditation. Greg does a lot of coaching with athletes about you know how to visualize and how to perform under pressure and things like that. And so interesting conversation, and then Kim's discussion about losing his father at an early age. So um, yeah. Interesting stuff. So anyway, have a great Friday. Have a great weekend. Don't be afraid to change somebody's life. And if I could at all help you do that, you know how to get a hold of me. All the contact stuff comes to my cell phone here. So don't be afraid to use that. On a Friday, I am out.